0: All right, listen. The Terminator's an infiltration unit. Part man, part machine. Underneath, it's a hyperalloy combat chassis. Microprocessor controlled. Fully armored. Very tough. But outside, it's living human tissue. Hello
1: and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait You Haven't Seen, and it's a podcast where we talk about movies. Specifically, we find a movie that at least one of us has never seen before, and that's what we watch. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis, and joining me this week, I have Christina.
0: Hello. Hi.
1: And, from Horseshoes and Hand Grenades, Stephen. Hello. Hello. So, uh, this is episode number 48 uh, of this show, and the movie this week was the 1984 sci-fi horror movie, The Terminator. Uh, Steven, you'd never seen this before.
2: I had not, despite all the pestering in the world from my, uh, my co-host and sister-in-law of did and Hang Grenades. I have somehow managed to not see this movie until this weekend.
1: But you had seen um, Terminator 2, right? Didn't you mention that? Oh, or yeah. Had, okay. Yeah, I, I think that
2: was the first rated R movie I ever saw, and I was like, nine. <laughs>
1: That sounds about right. I was a little bit older than that, but I remember seeing T2 at the drive-in, actually. And, uh, you know, nice. of course, my parents would, uh, they would take us, this was when our drive-in would show R-rated movies, and my mom or my dad would always have, a like, a blanket or something, so if there was something they didn't want us to see, they would just cover up the windshield.
2: That's brilliant.
1: I know. But, um, but yeah, so, okay, so The Terminator, 1984, first of all, so, what, about seven years before T2, um, and... This was the movie that put Arnold on the map. Like Conan was big, but this really put him over the top. Um, and what's really funny about it is how long do you think he's in the movie? Like runtime.
0: I know exactly.
1: I know you do.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a guess and say maybe let's twenty two
1: minutes. Wow, that's really close. Uh, twenty one minutes. Whoa, twenty one minutes of screen time in this movie. He's top billed. And it's crazy to think, like, everybody associates him with this movie. Probably more so T2 now, um, just because that was the bigger movie. But, like, this is what launched it. And he's in it for 21 minutes. He says 14 lines, I think.
0: Yep. yep, exactly.
1: Which, you know, I mean, it's smart. He's got that thick Austrian accent. Let's not have him talk a lot, just make him look intimidating. But And it worked. Um, one of the things I read that that I thought was great, and it shows because Arnold gets a lot of flack for, you know, kind of being a little bit goofy. He's he puts a lot of work into what he does. though. And one of the the stories I was reading was that for it was like two to four weeks before they started shooting, he spent all like a bunch of his free time learning how to disassemble and reassemble the weapons and load them and all of that. So he could do it without looking. And when you when you think about it, it does make him so much creepier and more intimidating when he's walking around doing that, and he's not looking at it at all. Like, it gives him that robotic uh, thing that he exactly.
2: needed. Yeah, he he was that was really a big deal for him because he wanted it to come out like as I'm a professional actor and I can do this thing. He had meeting after meeting with James Cameron about like I am going to be a machine. I'm going to act as a machine. And it became very contentious at some point, such as the famous line "I'll be back." Yeah, he did not want to use a contraction to say that. He was like a robot wouldn't say "I'll be back"; they'd say "I will be back." And that was like one of those moments where the director and the actor are just like completely different angles. Yeah, what was and James the, Cameron
0: say this?
1: Yeah, what was the the line? I from don't Cameron? tell you how
0: to act. Don't tell me how to write. Exactly. Yeah,
1: <laughs> there you go. But you know and and here's the thing he's really good in this like he plays that character really really well and then to see him then play it again a few years later in T2 and how much he how much he had grown as an actor between those two movies is really incredible because he's he's really really good in both but he was perfect for this and I guess he went against his agent's advice who said you know don't be a villain don't be the bad guy but
0: he fired the agent for it
1: Did he? I know Cameron fired his agent before this movie. I wasn't sure if Arnold had or not, but like it was a perfect move for him uh, because he was he went on to do a bunch of, you know, action movies after this where he was the the hero. And it works. It's fine. He's good at that. But this was such a better idea to be the villain in this. Um,
0: Oh, I believe that everybody should get to play the villain at least once.
1: And, you know, you hear a lot of a lot of actors say they enjoy playing the villain because they get to have more fun. Exactly. Yeah,
0: for this to me it, was it would good be more him. fun.
2: <laughs> for him, it was just good that he could come in and just be, and he's just a huge guy, you know? Yeah, know, it's very imposing. So it just makes sense for his, you know, what he, who he was at the time, right? You know, at this phase of his career, and Conan, hero, but kind of a jacked up hero anyway. So he's right. kind of like this blurry line. That's true. He could go either way with his career.
1: Um. All right, so from 1982, which was Conan the Barbarian, until 1991, so nine ten years stretch there. Listen to this as your uh, your jacket of movies that you've done: Conan the Barbarian, Conan the Destroyer, The Terminator, Red Sonja, Commando, Raw Deal, Predator, The Running Man, Red Heat, Twins, Total Recall, Kindergarten Cop, and Terminator Two: Judgment Day. Wow. <laughs>
0: That's and they a were very all awesome movies. Yes. I and would
1: agree with that. It's, that's an amazing string of movies. Now, you throw in, he did uh, like an episode of Tales of the Crypt in there somewhere, and uh, a video short called Stop the Madness, which I'm guessing is maybe a music video. But that's incredible. Like, up and down, just great action movies. And then you throw in, like, he starts doing twins and kindergarten cop because he wants to be a comedic actor really bad. And that's amazing. And I would
2: argue I'd argue he did a really good job with the comedic roles too. I mean, I'm one of those few people that will love Jingle all the way until the day <laughs> I die and I don't care what anybody says about it. But like Arnold's got the chops to do comedy when he wants to.
1: No, he it works. he really does. He has good comedic timing. And mm-hmm. and he he doesn't shy away from the fact like he uses his physical stature to his advantage in his comedy too. So, I think he's really good at comedy. Um, I just think that some people don't realize that he's you know, it's all tongue in cheek, he's trying to be a goofball. So, yeah, um, confession time though, I've never, never seen Jingle All the Way.
2: Oh, come on, you got to see Jingle All the Way. I'm gonna bring you back on this show after you watch Jingle All the Way. (laughs) That's fair.
1: (laughs) Next Christmas, we can do that next Christmas.
2: I'm inviting you to your old podcast.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, so Arnold, of course, the big star that came out of this. But you also had Linda Hamilton and uh, Michael Bean. Who, Michael Bean had done some stuff prior to this, but nothing, nothing real big. This was kind of this, and then he went on to work with Jim Cameron again, doing um, Aliens a couple years later. And he was fine in this. I don't think he was spectacular, but he was really good for again for the role that he was playing, um, kind of being the exposition bot, so to speak. Um, he was he got to deliver all the hey here's what's happening in the future stuff um which it's funny because reading about it you kind of can tell like james cameron wanted to do a lot more of that and the studios were like no
0: (laughs) yeah i mean honestly i want more of that
2: (laughs) yeah i'd do more more robots rolling over skulls that would be fine you know, I really like the the dude playing Cowrie. He's a Michael Bean, right? I didn't yeah. catch everybody's act, every actor's name, but yeah, he did. He did a fine job, kind of blending that um, manic desperation mm-hmm. and then drama as the story unfolds, and he's able to breathe a little bit. He did a, He did a fine job. Yeah. Oh, it was pretty good. He oh, was yeah. decent.
1: Not my favorite role of his. Um, no. So, Christina, what is your favorite Michael Bean? Because I'm sure you you know him well enough to have a favorite.
0: Uh, let me look it up, because I don't normally pay attention to names.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm the nerd that knows, like, the names of all the actors. Uh, I mean, I know two of the three punks at the beginning of the movie. One was Bill Paxton.
2: Bill Paxton. I was shocked to see him with a very large gap in his front teeth. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. And then the
1: the other one, the one that gets killed, is um, an actor named Brian Thompson, who had uh, guest roles on, like, um, the X-Files, where actually he played almost a Terminator-like character in the X-Files. He was an alien bounty hunter. Um, And he was in the horrendously awful Mortal Kombat Annihilation as Shao (laughs) Kahn. Yes. But he's one of those actors that you see all the time, and you never know who he is, Mm -hmm. but you recognize him because of his face. He's got a really distinct face. Um, Yeah. But uh, Michael Bean, for me, my favorite role of his was Johnny Ringo in Tombstone. Holy crap! That was Johnny Ringo. That was Johnny Ringo.
2: My life has changed. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite movies ever, and now now I'm I'm on board. And yes, best role ever. I don't I don't care how many roles I've seen Michael Bean in. Now he's Johnny Ringo to me.
1: Yes, he's. Oh, I love Johnny Ringo. Such a good character, and he's so good in that movie.
2: It was perfect. I'll tell you one actor. He
0: that was Hicks. Up.
1: Yeah, I know he was Hicks. That's what I was yeah. waiting for you to say.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, that and uh, coffee from uh, the abyss. Yep, yeah, he did also like
1: three straight James James Cameron movies. Must um, really
2: like go into that actor. I'll tell you one face that I recognized that was driving me bonkers the whole time: Lance Henriksen. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, where have I seen that guy, Bishop? And, uh, yeah, apparently, apparently, Bishop is what is the main thing. But I was like, I know I've seen this guy in like a hundred different things. And oh yeah, Pumpkinhead
1: a, and uh, yeah, all sorts of like B horror movies. But I always <laughs> remember him. From a series called Millennium, that came oh, out. Man. It was uh, that was a Chris Carter thing. It was not related to the X Files, but the same creator. Um, right around it was like late '90s, leading up to the year 2000. And I just remember him in that. Um,
2: oh, he actually played in the X Files as Frank Black and Millennium. He played the same character in. Oh, okay, series.
1: so they did crossover.
2: I forgot. Yeah.
1: that. it's been so long since I've seen it. I haven't seen it probably since it was on the air.
2: That's crazy. And he was an AVP, which is wild because he was Bishop again. I guess.
1: Yeah, they kept bringing him back as Bishop uh, yep. in in whatever way they could. Um, yeah. Didn't wasn't it Alien Three where he was like the the human version of Bishop, or?
0: Yes and no.
1: Or something I don't remember. Uh, he
0: he was an ancestor of the the original.
1: That's what creator,
0: it was. and then in AVP he played the original person.
1: That's right. Okay. Uh, But yeah, you had him. Um, We haven't talked about Linda Hamilton much. Okay, here's a question for you. So how old do you think Linda Hamilton was when they made this movie?
2: I I was telling, so me and my wife are watching this together, and Mm -hmm. I had this conversation about Linda Hamilton. I said, I don't care if Linda Hamilton did a movie like when she was 10. She just has a face that puts her somewhere between like 35 and
1: 40. (laughs) 27. So she was 27. She was 27 when they made this. How old is the character of Sarah Connor in this movie though? Christina, you don't have to answer yet.
2: Uh 22? Okay. Maybe.
1: Uh sure. 18. What? No. She's supposed to be 18 because the timeline <laughs> states that in uh I think it's in T2 she's 29 and John is 10 and she no. had him at 19. Yeah, it doesn't work at all. Like she looks young in this. I, I agree with you in that, for the most part, she always looks like she's in that kind of thirty to forty age range. Mm-hmm. This she looks a little bit younger than that, but she does not look eighteen at all—not even no. close. And it not does does kind of make the whole thing with Kyle Reese a little creepier, just because you know, future boy came back and got with an eighteen-year-old. But hey, I don't know. Maybe the rules—the rules were different in eighty-four. So yeah, but 18 um, is still consent. He was uh, Michael Bean was twenty seven as well, so they were they were actually the same age when they made this movie. Um, she had rolled or like severely sprained her ankle just prior to filming, and so they had to like reshuffle their shooting schedule all around because she spends how much of the movie running.
2: Running and and I I took note of this. They always run like they're about to fall over. So this actually solves that (laughs) entire problem for me. Because like, why are they running like they're drunk or tripping over like oil slicks? What is going on? And now now it makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Now it makes sense. Perfect.
1: Yeah. Um. So (laughs) they there there was some weird like getting this movie made was pretty impressive to be honest. Um. James Cameron had written it and. It was sort of like a labor of love for him, and he wanted to direct it. So he actually sold the rights to the movie to his producer, Gail Ann Hurd, who ended up being his uh, wife for a little while, for a dollar, so that she would shop it around and make sure not to make a deal with it unless he got to be the director. So, you know, at one point, I think it was Paramount wanted to do it, but they didn't want him, because he was not known at this point. Like he had, I think the only thing he'd worked on prior to this was maybe Piranha 2. And he got fired from that. So nobody knew who he was. And he, he started working on this. And then they had to delay filming because Arnold was working on Conan the Destroyer. So it's was like, great. What am I going to do now? I need like He needed nine months to work on that. It's like, that's not enough time for me to do another movie. But I need to make money. So he ended up writing. He started working on the script for Aliens at that point. And he was working on the script for, I think it was Rambo, First Blood Part 2. And I love the story of he would work on them, he would work on all three scripts at night, and he had three different desks so that he could keep his work straight, so he would just work for a few hours at one desk and then move over to the other one and keep doing that, and work on all three of these scripts, the Terminator, Rambo, and Aliens at the same time, waiting for Arnold to be done shooting Conan, the Destroyer, so he could work on the Terminator.
2: Oh my gosh, that's amazing.
1: (laughs) So that's dedication is what that is. Yeah. yeah and, then no on, and then on top of that, Arnold gives an interview where he talks about, um, yeah, I'm doing this movie called The Terminator and it's kind of, it's going to be just kind of the shit movie. And he later regrets saying that and like, he just didn't know anything about it. Like he didn't know what he was going to be and he hadn't started working on it yet, but I'm sure that didn't feel good if, if Cameron read that, but. Yeah, this was and this was the movie that launched James Cameron because after this he got to do Aliens and then The Abyss and Um It's crazy. But I mean Cameron I have kind of a weird love hate relationship with James Cameron films. He's incredibly talented, but he has a gigantic ego. And I get oh, yeah. I mean, you have to have that in some ways, but it I guess makes working with him kind of difficult. And on top of that, like, I don't know, I want I wanna see Selfishly, I want to see directors do more work, and he does good movies, but he does them like once every decade. I mean, yeah, you know. So there's that, uh, but because really, if you think about um, in terms of what he put out between where was it? I had it here as a director. I mean, he's got 23 credits, but Avatar two, three, four, five are oh, some of those correct. credits, and none of I think he's filming. A couple of them right now, but like, and half of his credits are uh, documentaries because he got he got really into doing documentaries after Titanic.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, he's always been fascinated with the ocean. Mm-hmm. I think in equal parts as as much as he is with space. He's, he's that fascinated with the sea, so he like does Titanic so he can get a ride down to see the Titanic on a submarine because right. he's doing research and he exactly. can get funded. <laughs> and then after he does Titanic, he spends the next you know five years just underwater. <laughs> for reasons, you know, and, and then he finally resurfaces uh with Avatar um and basically made Pocahontas/FernGully in space. Yeah. And we're all like that was amazing.
1: So we've talked about Avatar before on this show and I think my comment was and I I 100% stole this from somebody and I can't remember who I stole it from now but uh Avatar, the has there ever been a movie that's made more money that's been less culturally relevant?
2: Yes, that's a good that's actually a really good point.
1: I think that might have been Randy Deluxe that said that, then that's where I heard it. But like it's yeah. true. I mean, that movie made a ton of money. I remember seeing it and enjoying it, but it did not make a lasting impression on me. I know there's rides no. now and all that, but and they're going to do apparently four more sequels um because yeah. Disney owns it, but it it didn't have the lasting impression to me of of something like a Terminator or or even Titanic, which I remember seeing in the theater, um, and it, I thought it was okay, yeah. but even that seemed to to me to have more lasting impression. Now the dude does some spectacle though; he gets into his effects and really goes whole hog, um, to the point where I, I know there's a story, and this isn't a, a show about T2, but the the story in Terminator 2 with the helicopter, where the they had the helicopter that the scene where it goes under the like the overpass or the tunnel or whatever. Yeah. And uh the pilot was like, no, I'm not doing that. And so he uh, I can't remember the full story. It's like he he either got a different pilot or did it himself to, <laughs> to make sure it happened. I, I can't remember what the, the exact story was. Um but it's just like crazy stuff like that. And of course everything he did with uh with Terminator two and and the Abyss and really like moving digital effects forward. Um now interesting thing is that a lot of Terminator two was stuff that was originally in his script for the Terminator. Oh, wow. That I didn't know. Yeah, the stuff with Cyberdyne and a lot more Skynet and then the liquid metal Terminator was actually originally going to be in this movie. So originally it was two Terminators came back and two humans came back. And they had a, a Terminator that came back and got beat, and so then the liquid metal one showed up. And there was two people that came back, Kyle Reese and somebody else, and the other guy doesn't make it like... He materializes in a fire escape and falls to his death or something. But oh, um, he realized that I'm not going to be able to make that work. He was going to do, I guess, like claymation or some some sort of stop motion, go motion. Yeah. It wouldn't have worked. So it's good that they didn't go that route because even the go motion that was in the movie was good for the time. It didn't age very well.
2: Yeah, and I, I looked. At some of the prosthetics they use, like that whole scene where he's looking in the mirror and messing with his eyeball, like that's that's barely a recognizable human face. Like that's that is a rubber mask. Oh, totally, from a mile away, and like to think that he would consider liquid metal at a time when they could barely pull that off. uh, That would have been that would have been pretty ugly. It'd been like the dinosaur, the old dinosaur film. Yeah, and the two dinosaurs are fighting each other. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like absolutely. stop motion.
1: So that mask apparently... Uh, Stan Winston did the creature effects on this, um, and it was one of his earlier movies too, but that mask apparently took about six months to make. And I have to give him credit. For 1984 and what they had available to, to do at that time, it's really, really good. It definitely... You look at it now, and even then you could tell that's not Arnold's face. But um, now the uh, the T eight hundred endoskeleton the the robot at the end, that's phenomenal.
0: Yeah. Like yes.
1: Holy it's crap. So fully metal too. Yeah. Which turned out to not be the most practical way to build it, but it certainly looks really good. I guess it was heavy, and they had a ton of trouble like working it. But when they weren't doing the go motion uh, shots of it, the, the anything where they could frame, so that you just had like the shoulders or the upper, you know, from the from the waist up, it looked amazing.
2: Yeah, I was I was actually really shocked at how intense that whole final sequence was and how actually nervous I was <laughs> about, about the uh, the, you know, the monster in this in this event, the the robot coming after them. I was I felt it, man. It was it felt like Jaws. It was like, oh, yeah. oh snap, somebody's going to die. This is intense. And I wasn't expecting that from a movie from 84 because we're just conditioned at this point. It takes a lot more for a person in, in 2020 to feel like something's actually bad is going to happen or have that, that moment of real thrill. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it worked, man. It still works. You know, I, I wonder, oh, go ahead.
0: I attribute some of that feel to the, to the audio.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I actually did like going back to the jaws analogy. There was one point where they're in the parking garage and they're hiding in the car. And all you hear is like, duh, 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 or whatever. And really looking around. I'm like, where is he? <laughs> like, yeah. where is he coming from? Oh, it's, yeah. It's, you didn't even need to see Arnold. It was the music was enough, and it's the same thing they did with Jaws. It's like the music is the monster, and it it really picks up, makes you makes you start getting a little bit anxious before he ever shows up.
1: Absolutely, and I think some of that is because this was really written as a horror film. It wasn't a sci-fi movie, and it's not an action movie. It's a horror movie. It's a slasher movie. You got Linda Hamilton as the final girl um, who – actually has sex in the movie and survives so that's going against <laughs> type um, but uh, and and my note on that was just 80s movie has to be a love scene like it's required it doesn't yeah. have to really fit I mean they they made it fit the plot but you you have like that's just going to happen any movie set in the eight or made in the 80s did that um, but it was it was a total slasher movie and, and Arnold is the unstoppable killer now instead of using a knife or an axe or something he's using guns but it's basically the same thing he has the You know they have the false deaths and the final scares and all of that, and you're right. That tension just keeps ratcheting up, basically from the time the uh, semi truck blows up and he goes to he gets all this uh, organic skin like melted off of him until the end of the movie is just slowly turning that dial up and and bringing that tension up a little bit more. And it works. It works because I hadn't watched this in a few years. Um, I've seen it a few times, but it had been a little while. So you're right. You kind of get on the edge of your seat a little bit
2: yeah yeah i think you mentioned he has all these guns i couldn't help but notice that shotguns in 1984 did not kick no matter who shot them you could one hand shoot a shotgun and it was like whatever man i'm stronger than this (laughs) and it was blowing my mind i was like look at these guys like they're just one hand shotguns everywhere and like it was cool
1: i get it with arnold like the terminator should have have that that makes sense but Reese Reese should get a little kickback from that. He's just a dude. Like I don't care if he's a soldier. There's going to be some kickback from that shotgun, and apparently <laughs> they only use slugs. Nobody carries buckshot because they were shooting shotguns like back and forth from those cars for how like blocks, and not a single like nothing got hit.
2: No, it it was it everything put giant holes yes. in the car. <laughs> So like if they were using the buckshot, it was staying really close to uniform. Like, right, somebody exactly. should have been getting hit. They're <laughs> like ten, they're twenty feet from each other. That spread <laughs> is going to do something.
1: Oh, now I did like that they had the the laser sight, which um was pretty new at that point. Um, I did read that they they put the 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 actual laser on the pistol, but then they had the battery pack like hidden, and they had just a wire in his sleeve because the battery oh, packs cool. were like the size of a TV remote back then. So it would look a little clunky, but I did like that. Uh, the whole scene in the in the gun shop, because um, you know, like as soon as that starts, you're like, okay, he's gonna kill this dude. Like this yeah. guy's not not gonna make it out of this scene. So you just keep waiting for it to happen. It's another one of those that it's just a slow burn. Like I love stuff like that. I love scenes like that where you know the outcome, but you're still edge of your seat waiting for it to happen.
2: Yeah, I I totally love that scene for for one reason, and it's that he could sit there and tell him what guns he wanted. He's a giant Austrian man, <laughs> and the dude didn't even bat an eye. He's like, "Oh well, you know, you gotta wait fourteen days for the handguns, but you can take the rifles yeah. now." <laughs> like, <laughs> welcome to America, and that it was, was amazing.
1: That was one that got me. Was I don't remember in the eighties there being a waiting period on handguns. I don't remember Neither when do that started, and I always remembered whatever it was i think it was called like the brady bill or something and it was like a five day i thought was the big thing but he said like 15 days i actually wrote a note down on that i'm like 15 days is this the 80s or what
2: this was la right so maybe they had different rules that could be you know then that maybe it was a city rule or a state ordinance or something it wasn't as that was a little bit tighter
1: could be could be um I there, man. Are there some eighties? 80s, there's eightiesness in this movie, though. Holy cow! Her her roommate Ginger. First of all, I'm not convinced that she wasn't wearing a wig. That hair <laughs> was something else.
0: That was eighties hair.
1: It was. Yeah. A, that was that was the most eighties of eighties hair, though. Like that hair was self aware. I mean,
0: <laughs> it was Skynet.
1: It was, and that and she loved her Walkman. Oh yeah, like that was. I mean, I don't know anybody that's ever worn headphones while doing the deed, but apparently that's what does it for her because she left them on. There It's like three scenes in a row where she just had her headphones on all the time. And, of course, you get the trope of, oh, she can't hear what's going on in the, the other room because she's wearing headphones, which, sorry, but you would hear that. Um, yeah. you know, as, as Terminator was killing Slider uh, from Top Gun.
2: <laughs> Dude, that that was, that was crazy. The, the, you, you made me think of the, the headphones thing. And uh, I was just thinking, these darn millennials not even paying <laughs> attention to what's around them. It's like, nah, we've been doing that since 81, 84, man. Yep. Come on.
1: There's nothing new. <laughs> um, and I did. So the, uh, the voice on the tape, um, the uh, answering machine that uh, breaks off the date with Linda Hamilton, that was James Cameron. Um, he recorded oh, cool. that. And then, of course, a few years later, they end up married. Because uh, they got married in 91, I think, after Terminator 2, something like that. He marries
2: um, lots of people he works with.
1: Yes, and really <laughs> talented people, too. Holy crap. Like, yeah. L- Linda Hamilton, Gail Ann Hurd, and who, um, what's the director? Uh, what's her name? Did um, Catherine Hark- Bigelow? Bigelow, yes. Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. I'd watch a movie that the three of them made. For sure. Like, that would be in amazing.
2: Gail Ann Hurd went on to show run The Walking Dead for yeah. a while. Yeah, so there's very talented people involved in this. <laughs> this James Cameron ring of influence. <laughs> Oh. Um but speaking of their the Ginger and and uh and and uh, what Linda Hamilton what Sarah Connor them, them together when they're getting ready to go out it looks like sure Ginger's getting ready to go to a party but it looks like uh Sarah Connor's getting ready to go to a PTA meeting. Yeah. Cuz yeah. I was like what are you wearing? Like what is even going on here? I don't,
1: <laughs> I don't know. And 80s. then she changes out of that to go like to a movie or whatever. Like you could have gone in in that. Like it wouldn't have made a difference. Much
2: more reasonable outfit. (laughs) It's like, is this how eighteen-year-olds dated in '84? I don't think it is.
1: Oh, we have uh, Kit London in the chat room is saying the California legislature increased the handgun waiting period from one to three days in 1955. Then it became five days in 1965, and the current fifteen days in 1975. Well, there you go. was California law. Learn something new. Got it. Thank Thank you, you, Kit Kit London. Yeah. Uh, Um. So in talking about the cast, uh, I did make the the joke about Slider from Top Gun, but that's who her boyfriend was. Um, was Rick Rossovich is the actor. Uh, he was, um, yeah, he was Slider in Top Gun. But uh, the other name that I really wanted to mention, there was two. Uh, the future Terminator in the in the scene where they go to the future and that Terminator shows up. Um, you don't really see much of him other than he's just you know firing the gun randomly, and apparently the Terminators have. T- Horrible targeting systems because he couldn't hit half of what he was aiming at. Yeah, um, that was Franco Columbo, who was another uh, bodybuilder and Mister Universe multi multi time Mister Universe winner uh, and friend of um, Arnold. I like that. Uh, we mentioned Bill Paxton and Brian Thompson, but Earl Bowen, who played Doctor Silberman, the the psychiatrist, um, he went on to play him in Terminator Two and Terminator Three. But he also has quite the voice acting resume, and uh, including. Being the narrator uh, for a bunch of World of Warcraft.
2: Oh, wow.
1: Um, World of Warcraft. And he also did, um, where was it? I, I was seeing this because he's got an amazing voice. Um,
2: EverQuest, too, isn't he? Psychonauts?
1: Yep. Heckam of the Wise in World of Warcraft.
2: That's awesome.
1: He also did uh, LeChuck in all the Tales of Monkey Island games. And he was one of two actors to play Senior, Senior, Senior in Kim Possible which is one of my favorite names for a character ever. I don't know if you watched much Kim (laughs) Possible, but they they had two characters in there. It was Senor Senior Senior and Senor Senior Junior. And (laughs) Earl Bowen and Ricardo Montalban played the the senior version. And um, Nestor Carbonell, who was uh, Batman Well in The Tick and uh, the mayor in The Dark Knight, the guy who looks like he's constantly wearing eyeliner, uh, he played the junior version. He's, he's an actor that you, you recognize as soon as you see him, but uh, you never know his name. He's another I'm one so of those.
2: Up, I'm so upset at myself that I didn't recognize his name because I'm a huge Adventure Game fan and, like, Monkey Island fanboy, and he plays LeChuck, and yeah. I didn't yeah. notice. Like, in all of them. It wasn't just Tales, It was in, well, all the voiced ones, I right. should say. Uh, I but, yeah, like, he was in the Curse Curse of Monkey Island as well.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I think what? Curse On. Yeah, he his voice, like... I don't know what... he's just one of those voices that you can listen to do anything. You can read anything yeah. and you're gonna enjoy it. But yeah, he he is you would never think. I mean, look at his picture on IMDb and you wouldn't picture LeChuck or any of that. And then then it's all the World of Warcraft like narrator and Yeah. He's oh, that's great so cool. Earl Bowen. So that's Well done, uh, Earl. That, yeah. That's your fun little trivia bit for this week. <laughs> um so the music. Uh I have some thoughts because the theme is iconic, right? And it went on to be in like all the Terminator movies and they've they've reused it a bunch. But the rest of the music in this movie, not really that good. Um, you can have 80s synth synthy music, like John Carpenter made a career out of that. But this just, like this felt like low budget music. It sounded like low budget music.
2: It, it did, but man, I feel like it inspired a lot of future sci-fi stuff. In, in particular, it made me think of Mass Effect, the Mass Effect video game series, like a bunch because of like the brown, 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 you know, just that weird, like synthy tones. They used a lot of that in Mass Effect. And I'm like, maybe they were inspired by what was going on in Terminator because that whole thing was about, you know, these giant robots coming to destroy civilization. And True. I-, I thought that was pretty neat
1: yeah it just uh, I don't know, like it I noticed it more this time around, how the music just felt a little cheap to me in parts, like and it you know this movie didn't have a huge budget. I think the budget was like six and a half million dollars, oh my gosh, I'm um, amazed they did anything, and you know that would be a budget of about fifteen point eight today, so it's a very small budget for a Hollywood film. it made about 38 to 40 in the U S and like 78 worldwide. So it was a, it was a big success uh, financially, which is how James Cameron, you know, ended up with a career. But it's just crazy to think that they made, they made this movie on that small of a budget because for what they had to work with looked amazing, but they obviously spent all their budget on the looks because the music wasn't great. And it was recorded mono, um, original. Gross. Yeah. They didn't have the, the money to do stereo recording for it. Um, They didn't have the money to get permits for half of it. Like, they shot a lot of this guerrilla style.
2: <laughs> That's excellent. I approve. Well yeah. done, James Cameron.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was all shot at night, so they would, like, rush to a location, shoot, and then get out of there before the cops showed up.
2: They probably had to do that when they were letting Arnie walk around naked right there at the beginning. That was unexpected. Oh for yeah, me, I knew there would be nudity. I wasn't aware of full frontal male nudity right at the get-go.
1: Yeah, that's true. There was some. Uh, there was definitely some Austrian sausage in the beginning of the movie. That yep. if you're yeah, not ready for is, it. Is
0: I've seen this movie hundreds of times, and I have never been had a clear enough shot to where I saw it actually the day. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh.
1: Yeah, the high def yeah. the high def transfer you get to see uh, all of Arnie.
2: Yeah, he is flapping in the wind there.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was one of the scenes. I think it's when he carjacks the um the car there was like the last thing they shot for the movie and it was another one of those gorilla things where they had they had Arnie's clothes like right behind the car. And they're like, "Okay, we're going to shoot this and then you got to get dressed and we got to get out of here."
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's awesome.
1: Oh, uh, it's this is good. Now, okay. So this spawned a whole franchise, obviously. And one of my notes that I wrote down was, I kind of almost wish it had been one movie. Because it reminded me of like an old 50s, 60s pulp sci-fi story. And I don't know if you noticed, the, one of the first credits um, was uh, kind of a special acknowledgement to Harlan Ellison, um, who yeah. was a, a sci-fi writer. That was not originally in the movie um that was because harlan ellison sued james cameron for um making a movie that was a little too close to a couple of episodes of the outer limits that he had written um and cameron wanted to fight it but the producers were like no we're not the lawyers wouldn't do it so they settled with harlan ellison and they put that in there um, but that's, it, it felt like a Harlan Ellison. It felt like a pulp uh, kind of not novella almost. Um, so in a way, I almost wish it had only been one one story. Because it has a nice, tight ending to it um, that I really I, I like how this movie ended. Now, I love T2. T2 is an amazing movie. Uh, it's very different. It's kind of similar to... Um, it went more action movie route. Um, and... It's similar to what Alien did. The first Alien was very much a horror movie, then became an action franchise, much more. Um, and that was sort of what this did. But after T2, well, now we have middling returns at best. Like, yeah. I, I, have you seen any of the other sequels, Stephen?
2: Yeah, I watched Terminator 3 years ago, but I just remember it didn't have a good look to it. I felt like a lot of the action scenes looked like they were done on a stunt lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't explain why I felt that way or why it looked that way to me, but it did. And then I saw the one with Christian Bale, which I thought was fine. I really like Anton Yelchin in anything, and his right. playing Kyle Reese was fine by me. Even though I didn't have context, because I'd never seen the original Terminator. <laughs> like, who's Kyle Reese? It's like, that's that's John Connor's dad. Well, how's he his dad? What is he? <laughs> you know, I was like, in that position, so that was really weird. But I thought it was fine, and <laughs> I didn't see anything after that. Like, I didn't see Genesis, um, and I, I haven't seen the most recent one. But I've heard the most recent one was fine, depending on who you talk to. But like you said, it sounds to me like they could have either ended here and just let it die or do T2 and let it die. When you're talking about the future, you can kind of shut it down whenever you want. And everybody just expects, okay. well, the future happens at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, And nobody's waiting for a continuation. It's like they just keep doing Indiana Jones with the hope that they'll. Wrap it up somehow better than the actual ending was. Yeah, it just—it's hard to redo. I didn't mean to like, you know, pour salt and wounds there (laughs) with the indie reference, but it's—it's tough. These these franchises make a lot of money. They've got to make a lot of decisions, and you know,
1: they do. And it's—I'm like—I'm of two minds of it because I like the continuations of stories, and I like to see you know different creators take something and put their own spin on it. That's one of the things I liked about. The Alien movies was like Alien and Aliens are so vastly different because it's two very different people making them, and they're both yeah. really good. But after T two, I saw T three in the theater, and it was meh. Like it was cool yeah. seeing Arnie, it. But you're right in that it felt like it was shot on a lot. Um, it just didn't have the same feel to it. I, I never bought the chemistry between Nick Stahl and Claire Danes in that movie, at all. Yeah. So it just didn't didn't do anything for me. Salvation was good, because Salvation tried to do something different. They're like, you know what? We're just gonna we're gonna stick in the future. We've got an adult John Connor. Let's let's explore that part of things. Now, part of what hurt Salvation was the fact that the marketing campaign gave away the twist of the movie in the trailers, um, yeah. and like, because you were talking about on horseshoes uh, and hand grenades last uh, this week about trailers a little bit and how you get like that teaser trailer is usually pretty good and then maybe one theatrical trailer as long as it doesn't give away too much that was the problem with salvation was the theatrical trailer gave it all away and it's like well okay so you've just taken every reason for me to like be surprised in that movie out
2: yeah it's important that a trailer gets you excited Mm -hmm. and even what it shows without context is like doesn't make any sense But if you provide enough in the trailer that the context and the spin are all there together, you're like, well, crap, I just read the synopsis. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've made a mistake. Uh
1: Uh-huh. Plus...
0: Try to avoid trailers. Yeah.
1: It's a good move. I try. Like, I'll watch teasers, and I'll watch a first trailer. But beyond that, I try to avoid them. I try to avoid TV spots, and, like, you get the the trailers that'll pop up on YouTube when you start to watch something as a pre-roll. I'm like, skip, skip. I can't skip it fast enough. Um, TV
2: spots after a movie launches will wreck you. Oh, TV yeah. spots like a week after the movie is the the a minefield. Mm-hmm. Like you just can't watch them because it's like the movie everyone's talking about, and it shows like you know Darth Maul wielding his double bladed lightsaber or something crazy, and you're like, yeah. what is
1: going on? I know, <laughs> and and you're you're ruining, you're taking away that moment in in the theater yeah. or the first time you see it. Like, yeah. Um, but my other problem with Salvation was. I've decided that I don't care too much for Sam Worthington. He just doesn't do anything for me. I wanted to like him after seeing him in Clash of the Titans, even though I ended up, in retrospect, really not liking that movie. Um, But then I saw him in Avatar. I watched Wrath of the Titans, Terminator Salvation. It's like He, for me, is like him and Jai Courtney are two guys that's just like, they're there, but that's it, and it doesn't do anything for me. And I love Christian Bale. But even he was he was fine in that. But you're right, Anton Yelchin. He I I would watch him in anything. He yeah. was he was so great.
2: I'm with you on Sam Worthington. Like they really wanted to make him happen. Yeah. Like, they really wanted to make him happen in multiple movies. But okay, here's the th- he's an Aussie, right? Mm-hmm. He cannot hide his Aussie accent to save his life and they keep giving him i'm like just make him an aussie stop making him be an american in all these movies just give him the aussie accent because every time he yells or cries or has an emotion mm-hmm. it's he you know he goes from saying no to no right <laughs>
1: not like, n- not everyone can be christian bale and like convince you that he's an american i mean oh
2: yeah he's something else uh, he I, I was confused he used to do press for batman with an american accent I know.
1: That, that guy is so dedicated to what he does. It's crazy. Yeah, I didn't know that he was Welsh until I saw Reign of Fire. And at that <laughs> point, I had seen him in like two or three movies, at least, yeah. in the theater, plus like seeing um, some of the stuff when he was younger, and I had no clue. And then I see Reign of Fire, and I was like, wow, he does a really good Welsh accent. It's because he is Welsh. Well, find that.
2: <laughs> He's so good, dude. He can hide his accent in anything amazing
1: yeah some people have that ability and if you do fine use that but if you don't if you're Sam Worthington and you can't hide that accent if you, if, yeah. if you have to emote and you can't hide your accent when you do that just don't do it just stick like I don't have a problem I, it was when we talked about Doom uh, a few months back and I mentioned you had a bunch of English actors playing American Marines in that movie but none of them could really hide their accent that well just let them be whatever they are like don't yeah. try to force them into something
2: yeah, that's Either... a to tangent too much, but like Chernobyl, what they did was brilliant, just let the actors be who they are. Oh yeah. And
1: don't worry about
2: it. And we all just fall right in. You yeah, don't care. It,
1: the audience is not going to care. Like be I would rather see an authentic performance than you try to pigeonhole something in like uh you know, Brad Pitt in Snatch is is brilliant because he just embodies the character and he he gives me now, I admit that I don't have the greatest ear for accents, but I, he gives me a at least semi believable accent in that movie. Enough yeah. it's passable. Um, especially given that he you know the character he's playing is so cartoonish. But yeah, it's yeah. played for comedy. You know, just let people have their accent. Like I don't I wouldn't have a problem with Sam Worthington if they just let him be an Aussie, but no, they try to make him sound American and then uh, they they give him an American accent in uh a movie where he's playing a Greek in Clash of the Titans. And oh, uh, I have I have so many more problems with that movie than Sam Worthington though. Um, that'll have to be a discussion for another time. <laughs> yeah. Um. So okay, question for you. Uh, we've we've mentioned Jim Jim Cameron or James Cameron, whatever you want to, however you want to say it, because you hear it both ways. It's like mm-hmm. Bobby. It's like Bob De Niro and Robert De Niro. Yeah. Um. Do you have a favorite James Cameron film?
2: Oh man, that's a that's a toughie. So. He was never my director. You know, like you have that director you follow that mm-hmm. you really just care about. He's never been mine in terms of, of like I, I, I follow him. I care about his movies when they come out. But that being said, I think Aliens is probably the closest thing that I would say is like my favorite James Cameron movie. I love Titanic. I'm an unashamed Titanic lover. I'm the kind of person that just digs a good love story if it's good and it's got a mix of action and all this stuff. I thought it was fantastic, but like Aliens, man. That movie's got everything. It really does. I, I really love that movie. I would I would probably if I was gonna say like if your introduction to James Cameron, I would I would put aliens out there.
1: It's a good choice. Christina, how about yeah. you? Do you have a, a favorite James Cameron?
0: I it would be Aliens followed by Alita.
1: Oh. Wait, he directed I have Alita? I haven't seen
0: that yet. Yes. He did the screenplay.
1: Oh, he did the screenplay. Okay. Okay.
0: My my bad. Well,
1: nope, that's I fine. Think
2: Robert Rodriguez directed Alita. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's another one I'd like to talk about someday. I, I he's one of those directors that I enjoy his stuff a lot. Um, yeah. So Titanic, I, I I remember not loving it when it came out, um, and I haven't really. I think I might have watched it once since 1997, but my only problem with it, it it is a good love story. I just wish that uh, Jack and Rose didn't have to say their name to each other every time they spoke. <laughs> I good think point. I think someone did a super cut of like every line they had. They had to say each other's name. It was something crazy like that. But but that was. I, go ahead.
2: Oh, I was I was I'm sorry. I was grabbing a, a breath because oddly normal one has changed my answer. I want to change my answer. True okay. lies. Hands down. So I forgot he did that. Yeah,
1: that was going to be my pick is true lies. Um, Just be, <laughs> it's it's just God. That movie's fun. Like
2: it's so good.
1: Arnold and Jamie Lee Curtis and the Harrier jet and just the ridiculousness of the whole thing. Uh, I just, that, that is my favorite. Um, second for me would be probably aliens, maybe the abyss. Uh, I need to watch the abyss again. It's been a while, but though like the abyss aliens and true lies are my top three. If I'm going to watch James Cameron movies. Um, and I'm kind of the same way. Like he was never my director. Like for me, the director that uh, most of his movies I love is like Ridley Scott. I love mm-hmm. so many of his movies with Legend and Alien and Gladiator and all of that. Um, I have a, I have quite a few directors that I really like, but but with Cameron, the thing for me is that I just respect the work that he puts in and the detail that they put into this. So in The Terminator, one of the things is when he gets hit by the um, semi on the bridge, and then he gets up and he's limping, later on, when if you if you pay attention to when the terminator is going up the stairs when it's got all the skin melted off of it, there's a little actuator uh, on the heel of the one leg that's that's off, that's that's missing, like like the Achilles tendon. And that's why he's limping. Like it's little bits of little details like that that uh that just give you so much more and, like layer things into a movie. And Cameron is yeah. so good at doing that.
0: Yeah, when you see him first get up uh after you know the big fire, you can see him dragging the one leg as he's walking.
1: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah, you see him dragging that leg, and then later you find out it's because, like, it's just that little thing, that little that little piece on the heel that was missing. Um,
2: and that that also helps you understand why people don't like working with James Cameron. Could you imagine being the guy that's like, dude, calm down. It's just this one. Le- no one's even going to notice. He's like, no. He hurt his leg. This <laughs> needs to do this. Stan Winston, yeah. future Oscar-winning visual <laughs> effects artist. We're going to fix this now. You know, Oh, man, it'd make you nuts.
1: It would, it definitely would, and and I'm sure there there's stories aplenty from things like Titanic because that, oh yeah. ugh, man, but again he puts out some fantastic lookings like visually it's hard to find somebody that can put spectacle on screen like James Cameron could.
2: Oh yeah, It's all, all this makes me think of is the Steven Spielberg way, school of directing versus the James Cameron one. Like Spielberg's one of those people like people aren't going to notice this, just make it really cool and fun. Like the 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 T Rex paddock and there's no hole there. T Rex mm-hmm. gets out, runs around a minute, now there's a giant canyon. Yep. And he was like they're like, that that doesn't make any sense. He's like no one's gonna care or notice. Just go. <laughs> That's the best part. And then yeah. you got like James Cameron's like, we need to make everything perfect. hmm You know? It's pretty cool.
1: And yet he directs this movie where nobody can hit a thing with a weapon. Like oh, the Terminator no. for for all his uh ability as a Terminator, uh was a horrible shot.
2: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> This movie was a fun predecessor to RoboCop too. Like when when I, when I think of when I was, I've seen RoboCop like five times. I watched this. I'm like, RoboCop was trying to do Terminator again, but like with a good guy. Cause RoboCop came out before T2. So it's like, what if we had a Terminator, but he was good. And then, you know, we handed the reins to Paul Verhoeven and people's eyeballs fell out and stuff.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He took it to the, like the next, the, the extreme. Yeah. But no that's a that's a good comparison. I hadn't even thought of that
2: yeah I, it hit me because I just I was just thinking about like the way the way everything looked the way it's like okay it's a computer that can you know that is driving a
1: person mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty cool stuff apparently the code that shows up on the screen in Terminator vision is actual code um, yep, from an Apple II yeah and nice. I was reading in the trivia where if you put in a command in Apple II in an Apple II it will switch to that view, which I thought was kind of <laughs> cool uh, I, again, really I love little Easter eggs and and little bits like that.
2: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a software developer by trade, so anytime there's computer stuff in uh in in, the, in a movie, like whether it's a HUD or it's an operating system or it's somebody typing, I'm like, is any of this real? <laughs> <And I'm like laughs> staring at it, trying to catch the stuff.
1: That's oh, pretty so fun. I, I bet you love the subreddit. It's a Unix system.
2: <laughs> I've actually never been there, but I'm oh,
1: gonna go. Oh, you now. should. It's it's amazing. Yeah. It's awesome. It's one of my favorite moments from Jurassic Park.
0: Oh, for
2: sure. I love that. Jurassic Park Unix,
0: man.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> oh, it's Unix system.
2: I
1: know this. I
2: know this. Good, because no one else does.
1: Nope, that's, not, a, not another person.
2: Like three computers of the world use that. Good job, Dennis. Dennis. No, Dennis. Nedry. Nedry, yeah.
1: So apparently there's going to be a True Lies TV series. Or there was? What?
2: There was. I remember hearing about that. I don't know if it ever got off the ground. No,
1: it's still on IMDb as announced. Mm. I was looking at uh, Cameron's writing credits. Because, again, he, he's got Avatar 2, 3, 4, 5, and then True Lies from characters in 2018 as announced with no date. So,
2: Eh, I could take this or leave it.
1: Yeah. That's a that's one. Just l- let True Lies be the movie that it was in the 90s and, and leave yeah. it alone.
2: We don't need another one. It was awesome all by
1: itself. It was. And that's kind of, to bring it back to what I had said, I don't know, 20 minutes ago, about this movie was I kind of, I almost wish they hadn't, made a sequel now the sequel again phenomenal and that was a case of you now you having seen t2 before you saw this movie that that's got to have a lot different effect on you because if you had seen this and then you see terminator 2 with knowing nothing going into terminator 2 except what you saw in this movie that changes a lot of that movie if you think about it because the first what half an hour of it you don't know what Arnold is like you you, you yeah. assume he's the bad guy
0: well
2: so I was talking to my wife a little bit about this and T2 I was able to watch it enjoy it from start to finish feel like I understood the characters and had never seen the original mm-hmm. and I think that's a testament to the change that happens between Terminator 1 and Terminator 2 like you're getting Sarah Connor in a completely different place you're getting the Terminator who's now a good guy mm-hmm. you know everybody else is basically new so yeah. you're not really carrying that much forward outside of like who's, you know, John Connor's dad. Like that's yeah, that's fine, but you don't need it. You don't need to have ever seen Kyle Reese to get where you are when you pick up in Terminator two and kind of learn as it goes. They and that that's a good job with writing, like just being able to somebody's never seen the original sits down to T two. They're like, Okay, I understand exactly where I am. Mm-hmm. I understand exactly what happened in the future. I've got the whole thing figured out and I can watch Terminator at my leisure because I'm 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 fine here. It's not like picking up Return of the Jedi after Empire. Like you, you gotta watch Empire or you're just freaking lost.
1: Yeah. You know No, that's that's very true. It it it's almost like uh episodes in a series, but they're not connected directly. Like it's not a serial like yeah. like episodes three, four, or five of Star Wars or whatever are. Right, And the same thing, again, to make, and it's I keep making the comparison, but it's a James Cameron movie, Alien and Aliens. Like, you can sit down and watch Aliens having never mm-hmm. seen the Ridley Scott movie, and you're fine. Yeah. Because, and, and part of that is they're two very different styles of movie. The, the Terminator is it is a horror movie. It's a horror movie with sci-fi undertones to it. T2 is an action movie. And because of that and because of the smart writing and decisions that they made, you're right that's it's great that you can sit down and watch that but now imagine if you had seen this movie first just how different that reveal is when he when he goes to help him yeah it would
2: have been very different yeah
0: yeah it's the experience Mm -hmm. You, you you missed out on the experience that she had with the terminator giving her those feelings yeah yeah you get told but you don't get to experience it
2: that's a very solid point. You don't. I don't have the emotional connection, even though I logically understand where everything's coming from. The heart's missing. A piece of the heart is is not in it because I don't. I don't know what she's been through, and I'm just looking at like she's breaking out. This crazy lady's all buffed, breaking out of a mental institution. What's
0: going on? And now
2: it's like I have more context. Yeah, and in I, I fact could, It's yeah. the
0: same thing between Alien and Aliens. That's true. You don't need it, but you miss out on that experience, that fear, that drive, the reason why she's like this.
2: Yeah, that's a very good point. If they do a better job than, like, today, man. You can't watch a Marvel movie without watching five movies prior to, to see to make sure you understand where all this random stuff comes
1: from. That's true. Really, um, Any, anything after The Avengers, you better do your homework and watch some movies. Like, you yeah, can, you, you can jump in anywhere in those first five movies and probably be all right. Mm-hmm. But after that, yeah. But that's, you know, that's franchises and and these interconnected universes. And I think that's a big part of what kind of hurts some of the later Terminator movies. Yeah. Aside from the fact that, like, obviously the whole time travel premise that they set up in this movie is completely and utterly, like, ridiculously flawed because (laughs) John Connor sends Kyle Reese back to save his mother. But Kyle Reese is his father. So if Kyle doesn't go back, John doesn't get like paradox and your brain explodes.
2: Oh, yeah, but I mean even Kyle mentions at one point he's like, in this timeline, right, and this and has that, to happen. That,
1: that was the thing is they mentioned a possible future,, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was interesting, but yeah, it's just you know, it's one of those things like don't think too much about that if you don't because uh, I guess there was another thing in an early early draft of the script where they explained the science of the time travel a lot more, and I think it was the like director of photography his father was a physicist, and he was out to dinner with him, and he was talking about that. And the, the guy was like, yeah, don't do not do that. Just don't explain <laughs> it, because that's not right. And he went back to Cameron and said, let's, let's not do this, because, uh, yeah. And it was smart to do that. You know, do a little hand-wavy, mm-hmm. and don't explain everything. Give us just enough. And that's where that kind of, like, that sci-fi pulp story uh, feel to it comes from. And I like that. Um, so, yeah basically watch this watch t2 don't worry about the rest of them maybe watch salvation if you want i do i i I kind of want to watch genesis and dark fate the the last two dark
0: fate was decent was it okay that well james back
2: involved yeah he was involved with it
1: yeah that's true yeah but i
2: mean tim uh tim was a director's name who did dark fate he did deadpool tim tim miller oh tim miller okay did, did Dark Fate, and he later, after Terminator Dark Fate bombed, and people were fussing about it, he was like, I'll never work with somebody else's material again, because I guess he and James Cameron did not agree on a lot of things in Dark Fate, and apparently that was some of the points of contention with, like, the audience is just like, why did you do this? Why did you-? Tim Miller's like, screw you guys, I did what James told me to do, because he's the owner of this stuff, you know, and it, it became really heated on set between the two of them.
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, he's the owner of it now because he got his rights back. Yeah. Because that was another thing is the, the rights for Terminator, like, floated around for a long time. Uh, Cameron Cameron mentioned that as, like, a lesson about Hollywood or something. Because the <laughs> the whole thing where he sold the script for a dollar, like, he sold his rights to it at that point. Um, yeah. So he, he actually never made any money in royalties from Terminator 3, Salvation, or Genesis at all oh, geez. because of that now whatever he's he's, he's got more money yeah. than any of us will ever see in our lifetime but he's not hurting. i was
2: about to say i was like he had to live off of avatar money that poor guy
1: <laughs> and titanic
2: and titanic money. people forget oh. how
1: much money titanic made sometimes like that movie yeah. made ridiculous amounts of money
2: wasn't it over budget like I, I think it was like 120 million by the time it was done which was over budget by like 50 million or something insane so oh they yeah were like you just gotta finish it man <laughs> it was yeah. so. It was just a struggle.
1: Oh, definitely no Titanic, because I think previous to Titanic, the the highest budget on a film had been Waterworld, and Waterworld was somewhere around a hundred million, Jeez. and Titanic just blew it out of the water. No pun intended.
2: Yeah, I wish I could find budget was two hundred million estimated. Could you imagine you can't even make a two hundred million dollar movie now unless it's like a guaranteed billion dollar opening.
1: Right, and that was nineteen ninety seven when they were yeah. making that. Like that's in, that's incredible.
2: 200 million and 97. Ooh.
1: That's a lot. That's a lot of cash. Um yeah. Tim Miller, so him and Cameron not getting along, that sounds a little like uh like a Ryan Johnson JJ J. Abrams thing. Um so it, you know sometimes these people, the these people working on the stuff, they just need to do their own thing. Like I commend him if if Miller's take take away from that was, look, I'm just going to work on my own stuff now. Go for it. I mean, what was it? Kevin yep. Smith, the only movie Kevin Smith has made that he did not enjoy making was Cop Out because he didn't write the script for it.
2: And Bruce Willis was a pain in the butt.
1: Well, yeah, that too. But,
2: <laughs> which Kevin Smith will talk about ad nauseum.
1: Yes, he will talk about that <laughs> at length, whether you want him to or not. Yes. Um, but that's not an uncommon story either with Bruce Willis. So. No,
2: no. Bruce Willis wants to be Bruce Willis.
1: Yeah. You let him yep. do that. <laughs> but, but because he didn't write the script, like that wasn't a great movie for him to work on either. And so he's yeah. gone back to writing and directing his own stuff. Some people just need to do that. And you know, maybe yeah. Tim Miller is one of those. Because he's not a bad director, especially action-wise. I mean, Deadpool no. visually was, was phenomenal. So I will, I will watch Dark Fate and Genesis just to complete it out. Maybe, yeah. maybe even go through and watch them all again just for fun. Terminator 2 is such a good movie. And I haven't watched that one in a few years either.
2: Yeah, it's it's just great. The the stuff between Eddie Furlong and and like that whole relationship that they build, uh, the boy and his robot. Yep, it's <laughs> it's charming. It's really charming. It and is. It shouldn't be. And I'm I'm like I'm believing it because I'm like, man, the kid's like what eleven or something when yeah. he's hanging out with this robot. Like that's exactly what an eleven year old kid would do. Like let me oh. teach this guy how to high five. Hell yeah. Uh,
0: lost in space. <laughs> yeah, you, right. Yes. It, it
2: felt very natural and very cool to me. I'm yes. down
1: with it. So no, I haven't been playing a lot of audio lately, but there are two lines I have to play from this. I had to capture them. I have them now for my soundboard forever. <laughs> um, the first one is uttered, I think, in like the at least the first three Terminator movies I know um, by different characters, uh, and it's it's this one. And in this movie, it's said by Kyle Reese. This is the obviously the first time it was
0: uttered. Come with me if you want to live.
1: And of course, you know, that's one of the first things Arnold says in T2 to her. So now you can kind of see where like, can you imagine if you were, say, you know, 15 when you saw Terminator and then seven years later you see T2 and the first thing Arnold says to Linda Hamilton is come with me if you want to live like that's that, you know, jaw drop moment in a theater
2: well it, it jaw dropped for me because i didn't know kyle reese said it first
1: yeah there you go Please. when he said
2: it i was like holy balls he said it before the, what oh my gosh you know i was losing it i was like so, i did not
0: know
1: well that's kind of great you got like the reverse effect of it i love that
2: yeah. yeah it was reversed but same same vibe and
0: it was the signal to let you know that he was the good guy yeah
1: yeah and yep, uh, i got it and of course the iconic line the line we already referenced it once, but I'm gonna capture it because, damn it, like I have to have this on my soundboard. And it's funny how many people will quote this line with like a heavy German accent or Austrian accent, and he doesn't really say it with that at all. Mm-hmm. But it's just simply, "I'll be back." What a, yeah. what a, what a line! Like that's just so iconic. You can play that for somebody, and they know exactly what it is. Yep. and they can they they have sure never you. seen any Terminator movie ever.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like he doesn't say it in other movies.
1: True, you know, it became you know self-parodying at one point, like all of that. But it's just great. Uh, well, I mean, that's Terminator. That it's a it is really good. It's a lot better than it has any right to be, given the budget. Who was you know who was doing it at the time that they were making it in you know the early to mid '80s? Um, unknown actors, unknown director guy writing the script in you know overnight uh while he's like waiting for his actors to be able to do the movie it's a lot of fun so it sounds like you enjoyed it steven i did i'm super thrilled for that it's always great to show somebody a movie and have them like it now you like t2 so you're kind of predisposed to like it but again it's different it's not the same type of movie
2: it's a totally different vibe and I dug it. I And like like you said, once you said sci-fi horror movie, I was like, it's a horror movie. That's 100%. This dude is Michael Myers in a sci-fi setting. Yep. And now I get why I liked it. <laughs> it was really good.
1: And Christina, I know you love this movie. Because when I mentioned it in the Discord channel, you were, you were jumping all over that. So,
0: Of course. Any of the classic 80s sci-fi horror movies, I'm all over.
1: <laughs> you know, we do our Nicholas Cage month in August. I might have to do an Arnold Schwarzenegger month here sometime yeah, because there's so many I mean just the stuff that I listed at the beginning of the episode that 10 year stretch alone and that wasn't even getting into the stuff he did in the 90s with like End of Days and True Lies and all of that like mm-hmm. The Sixth Day um, Eraser I mean
2: Oh man Eraser <laughs> That was good stuff
1: uh, End of Days is always one that uh, that I come back to just because like that movie could have been marketed simply as Schwarzenegger versus The Devil that's it. That's all you needed to say. And it's like, all right, I'll, I'll pay my 10 bucks to go see that movie.
2: A really great devil, too, played by Gabriel Byrne. Oh, Who yes. did a wonderful mm. job playing, uh, playing Satan yes. <laughs> for us in that movie.
1: However, I will stand firm on this. If I do a Schwarzenegger month, I will not watch Batman and Robin. I refuse. Please don't. I've seen yeah, it once. It's... I don't need to see it ever again.
2: I watched it once to just remember, just to see. Like, I was like, is it really as bad as I. Yes. Yes, yes it it is. is.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Every bit as bad as they say.
1: And I love the 60s Batman TV show and I love the campiness of that. This was like a bridge too far. So.
2: Well, you can't put, like, you can't put the gothic tone that we've gotten used to since Batman 89 Mm -hmm. and then add camp to it. Like, if you're going to go campy. Throw on the old spandex outfit, put Adam West back in there, and then we'll believe it. We'll be go. fine with it. Yes. But you can't blend the two tones together. It doesn't work.
1: No. Well, so pay, pay attention and look out for that. We might do a Schwarzenegger month here sometime soon. Um, so, Stephen, I'm, I'm thrilled that you enjoyed this movie, and I'm, I'm glad that I got you on here, and, and uh, it was a ton of fun. Uh, we'll have you back. Uh, maybe the next awesome. time we'll have a movie that, uh, well, maybe for Jingle All the Way, maybe before that. <laughs> we'll see. Um, But let people know where they can find you.
2: Sure. You guys can find me uh, hosting a podcast called Horseshoes and Hand Grenades uh, every Thursday night on the Two Dorks TV Twitch channel. Uh, You can also find me on Twitter, at Steve H&H. And and you can find everything else I do over at LegionofDorks.com. That's where uh, we post most of the stuff. And you can find links to our Discord and our shows and all that junk so yes. head on by
1: and I will say Horseshoes and Hand Grenades is a ton of fun and you should definitely listen to it if you can catch the live stream it's even more fun but it's definitely worth listening to I, I just love listening to you guys
2: <laughs> I appreciate that it's a lot of fun it is
1: and Christina it is a pleasure having you back it had been a few weeks uh, you took some time off because you weren't interested in all of my Oscar winning movies um, which yeah, that's fair I I, I respect that but it was nice to have you back
0: always glad to help out
1: well, especially
0: on these fun ones. Oh, yeah.
1: And we'll be doing more. You know, we'll be getting into a lot more campy and, and silly stuff, too. Like, but I just felt I felt like doing some Oscar winners was uh, appropriate for the time of year. And it did get me to see a couple of movies I hadn't seen that. I'm really glad I did uh, kind of step out of my normal comfort zone and watch something like Monster. And I never have to watch it again. But how was it good? Um, Ooh, that's a tough one. That was. Oh, that was a really a tough, tough one. one. But then I also yeah. got to watch The King's Speech, which I loved.
2: It's one of my favorites, man. I love that movie.
1: Well, uh, until next week, which uh, is actually me stepping out of my comfort zone to watch something I have never seen, which is Amelie, is going to be our film next week. Um, I've never seen it before. I've heard good things about it. So uh, check back in. I've got um, actually Amy Frost from Ake Willow is going to be joining me. Um, and... Uh, We're going to be watching Amelie, so come on back next week. We record uh, Sunday nights, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time here, twitch.tv forward slash TV's Travis. I put the show out as a podcast on Wednesdays. Um, TV's Travis.com is the easiest way to find that uh, because the name, wait, you haven't seen just wasn't uh, wasn't SEO very well. So it's hard to find in some of the podcast players. Uh, But if you do listen to the show and you are on, say, Apple Podcasts, Give us a review and a rating. That helps kind of bubble us up to the top. So if you can do that, that would super helpful. Um, But until next week and Amelie, um, we like to say enjoy your movies. And uh, I like to say be excellent to each other. This has been Wait, You Haven't Seen.
0: Short-stroking it all over the place. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>